You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So if I ask you this question, let's start right here. If I ask you this question, what will be your answer? Who are you? Okay. Now I know some of you CSI fans, right? Anybody, any CSI fans? Anyone? Who are you? Do, do. Yeah, there's some of you out there, right? Or the, do y'all, y'all know who sang that song? Here, okay, there's your clue right there, the who, right? Yeah, so uh, you got to be as old as me or David Joyner, I guess, to know that one, right? Uh, but who are you? And what, what do people say when you ask someone who they are? They give you what? Their name, right? It's tell your name. But here's the problem with that. That doesn't really tell me who you are. You see, I've had some people on Facebook named Rick Hand, you know, all over the country that have kind of reached out to me and say, hey, I'm a Rick Hand too, you know, and so, you know, we kind of, you know, interacted a little bit, you know, and he followed me, I followed him, you know, we're Facebook friends now, several of these guys, you know, and, like, and you know what, they're not like me, all of them aren't like me, most of them aren't nearly as cool as I am, you know, and so the, the name just, you know, it just doesn't fit, uh, the name's not enough, or, you know, things like your occupation, you know, you know, well, I'm a Whatever it is, that, that's what, what I am. That's who I am. Or, or maybe your title, you know, coach or uh, uh, attorney or doctor or whatever. But, you know, those are just labels. They don't really tell me who you are. Or what about uh, some people would maybe respond with their personality, you know, the, the, the kind of person they are personality-wise, or, or maybe their passions, you know, the things that, you know, really makes them, oh, I'm this person, or, or maybe your talents or your skills. But, again, those those are just kind of descriptives. They're just your, your personal attributes. They really don't tell us who you are. Or some people may, you know, may say, well, I'm, I'm a graduate of such and such school, or I'm a former member of this branch of the military, or I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm this in my political you know, persuasion, the way, so the way you know, that I vote, or, or I was raised rich, or I was raised poor, or I was raised somewhere in the middle of that. But, you know, none of those things tell us who you are either. Because those really, if you think about it, all of those things are just your experiences. You're just your experiences. You, you were raised this way or you were whatever this way. Just None of these things tell us who you are. And, and we run around trying to find uh, purpose and trying to find identity. I mean, anybody ever heard anyone say, well, I'm spending some time to find myself, right? I always remember the, the Cosby episode where one of, one of his daughters, you know, is dating a new guy, and he comes in, and he says he's taking some time off from college to find himself, and Cliff says, well, how long do you, you think that's going to take? He said, oh, probably five, six years, and Cliff says, well, you ought to be able to find yourself three or four other people, you know, in that amount of time, right? We're looking to find ourselves, right? CDC's latest report, the CDC says, that, and this has been growing over the past couple of decades, but it has spiked skyrocketed in the last three years that over half of teenage girls in the United States report being persistently sad or hopeless think about that over half so of all the teenage girls in this room if this is a good representation of of, of the culture that we're living in today over half of them are dealing with persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness and how can that be? Because, you know, there, there ought to be at least that many, you know, that, that are Christians and should have this because we're, we're looking for, you know, the old song was looking for love in all the wrong places. I think these days we're looking for our identity in the wrong places. Let me tell you this. 
There is nothing more life-affirming than finding your identity in Jesus Christ. There is nothing. And, I, I, and if you don't know that, you're sitting there, oh, well, I don't know. Now, listen, I'll tell you something about me. I don't say the number one. I don't say the most. I don't say the greatest unless it's something that I've thought through, okay? I just don't use that because I, I learned my lesson early on in ministry that I one time said, I was up preaching, I said, you, the most important thing you can do about, I don't even remember what the subject was, the most important thing you can do is so-and-so. About two weeks later, I was preaching, I said, you know what the most important thing you can do about so-and-so is? And the crowd yelled out what I said two weeks ago. Problem was, that wasn't what I was preaching on that Sunday. I learned my lesson. You got to be careful. And I know a lot of people, they speak in the hyperboles, you know, and they, they speak in, you know, the ultimates of the number one and the most. I don't do that. I don't say that unless I've prayed about it and I've given a lot of thought, especially standing up here in front of you. That I say this with a lot of prayer and a lot of thought and a lot of leading of God. There is nothing more life affirming than finding your identity in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're talking about this morning is reclaiming a relationship with God that is, that is all of this, life-affirming it, and say, showing who you really are and making you somebody, giving you the, the purpose, not just a little bit of peace or a little bit of joy, but giving you all of that. That's what this sermon is about. So if you will, let's, let's start. Where's a good place to start? At the beginning, right, thank you, I appreciate that. All right, so Genesis chapter 1, can we imagine through Genesis? No, we're not going to read it. Let's, um, you ever imagine through a chapter in the Bible, you know, you read one and then you back up and imagine it? You know, because Genesis is a lot of stories, right? We don't really have the law given yet. We just hear some things from God. We don't have the law. So it's a lot of stories. Genesis 1 is a really big story about creation, right? So let's imagine this for a moment if you can. Uh, this is the kind of thing I do. I don't know if you do it, but you can do it with me this morning. So God, somewhere back in the eons of prehistory, you know, back before the first words were ever written, somewhere way back, God creates this universe. And somewhere along the line, he creates this planet that you and I call Earth, you know, and it might have been eons later that he created that. You know, don't know, you know, God doesn't say I did this, you know, and here's the times that I did this, the time spans. He just tells us all this stuff happened. So sometimes in, in that prehistory, God creates that and he creates this earth. But this earth isn't exactly like he wants it yet. And so he adds actual earth, you know, what we call earth, you know, land, dirt, right? Mountains and trees on those mountains. And, and he, you know, he adds, you know, uh, bayous and uh, he adds rivers and waterfalls and all these things that make the earth so beautiful, right? But it's still not like he wants it. And so he adds birds, you know, flying in the sky. He adds fish in the water, whales and, and other mammals that even swim in the waters, turtles and reptiles. And, and he adds, uh, you know, panda, bison, antelope, uh, peacocks, you know, all these things. Uh, dogs and cats, I guess we can't leave those out, right? Some of you live for your dogs and cats, right? He adds all these things, but you know what? It still isn't like he wants it. And every time he creates something, we see in Genesis 1, you remember what he said about it when he said he created it? He saw it and he said it was, okay, it's good, but he's not done. It's not what he wants just yet, and so what does he do? Now he creates his masterpiece. He creates this one last being, actually two of them, right, male and female. He creates these, this, this is masterpiece because all this, this is good, this is beautiful, everything's working, 
but there's something else I've got to, and so he creates this other thing and, and he gives this, this, this last creation, he gives it abilities that the rest of his creation doesn't have. And some of, them ha some of his other pieces of creation, they have some of the attributes, but this one is the crowning one. I mean, it's got everything. I mean, it's got the ability to reason. It's got the ability to oversee. That's one of the things he told them to do is oversee and manage everything. It's, it's, so he gives them the ability, ability to do that and, and also to problem solve. I mean, some other animals have the ability to solve problems, but I mean, not, not like his crowning achievement is going to have. But also because, I mean, those are all important things, but also because he created this last creation, this last thing, his crowning achievement, he created it in his own image. It made him able to have relationship with this thing. It made him able to have a relationship. And so, so when I look at this and I see all this and I you think about this, about how, how all this was happening, God was just kept creating until he finally got here, you know, and, and, and he finally, you know, it finally creates man and he just says, that, yeah, I can't do any better than that. Well, wait a minute. Let's give him a wife, <laughs> you know, okay. And then he says, I can't do any better than that. He doesn't create anybody else, right? And he does that. So, you know, and I read that and I think there was, okay, this isn't in Scripture. This is me. I just look at this and I say, there was a hole in God. There was an empty place in him, and he created you and me to fill that hole inside of him. Nothing else. All this other was good, but he created you to fill that empty hole that was inside of him that nothing else could fill. Not, not a, another part of his creation could fill that except you and me. And because you were created in his image, that means you have an empty spot inside of you that can only be filled by him that's what this relationship that's how it all began if we want to go back to the beginning not just back to my beginning and my walk with God but if we go back to the very beginning this is how it began is to create something that could interact in a way of relationship like no other part of his creation could like not even the angels of heaven could interact with him like you and I can and have relationships we have relationship with him today because of that. And uh, Galatians, I believe it's Galatians, right? Lays this out a little bit here for us. Look, read this with me. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up even though they actually own everything their father had. What he's talking about here, a man dies and he leaves everything to his children, but it's kind of like in a trust. That's, we understand it that way, right? A trust. And they own it, but they can't touch it until they reach an age, whatever age their father sets, right? They have to obey their guardian, so really they're kind of still like slaves. That's what he's saying. They're still like slaves. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children, but we were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Remember the law? Last week talked about this just real briefly. How many laws there are in the Old Testament? How many? Over, a, did somebody say a lot? Yeah, over 160, okay? And so that's what we're talking about here. And it had all these laws, right? And they had to remember all these laws because, you know, because that was all they had then, all right? And so uh, then God sent him, he's talking about Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to this law so that he could adopt us, he could adopt us so he could adopt us as his very own 
children. See, we weren't natural heirs to the things of God. We weren't natural heirs because our heritage from all the way back to Adam and Eve has been sin. So we weren't natural heirs. But he did all this so that he could adopt us as his very own. How, how, how deep is this? Oh, I need to hurry. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. God chose to create us for this empty place inside of him. And then as he, as he was leading the Israelites, especially the Jews, through the Old Testament and the law and everything, trying to just get them ready for the moment that he could send his son. And, and you and I, we weren't, we weren't Jews, you know. Uh, some of us may have some Jewish blood in us, but we weren't really raised as Jews. And so they went with the law until finally Jesus came. Well, what about us, us non-Jews? Well, verse 8, the next one right after this, we're not going to read it. it. It basically says, well, us non-Jews, here's what we did. Us non-Jews, we were serving non-gods. We, we, we kind of we worshipped everything and anything around us. You know, we were serving non-gods. We were non-Jews. We weren't even serving him like they did with the law. But now he's done this. So he started by, by creating us for this, and then he chose us to adopt us. You know what I've always heard? I've always heard about adoptive parents. You know, when, when, when you have a child, a child that is born naturally to you, you just get what you get, Right? You don't get to pick. You know, you just, and it don't matter if they're pretty or not. It don't matter if they're smart or not. You know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, if they can't pour water out of a shoe with instructions on the bottom of the heel. You know, it doesn't matter. You get what you get. You just get what you get. Someone said yesterday, we were talking about kids and all of that, and somebody said, you know what, I believe God makes our kids look like us just enough so that we can't say they're ugly. You know, <laughs> We, we, we've got to fight. No, no, that's a pretty child. You know, he looks just like me, you know, that kind of thing. You just get what you get. But when you adopt a child, you get to choose. And you say, well, you know, I, I, we were only given this one option or this one. We, it wasn't like we had five. Well, but you still get to choose that one, yes or no. And God looked at you and he chose when he adopted you, he chose you. He sent his son, and, and, and it, it doesn't have time to say all that right here in this verse, but he sent his son to die for you, the real son, the one that was his natural son. He sent him to die so that he could choose to adopt you. This is the relationship that he has with you. That, that's, that's what he's done. He's created you to fill a hole, and then he came back, and maybe after all of your wanderings and sowing of your wild oats or whatever, he has drawn you back to him to choose you, to adopt you into his family. And not just as his child, but you're his heir. So everything out there you and I have, we have, we have uh, access to. It all belongs to us. The Word of God says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Yeah, guess, guess who's heir to those cattle on those thousand hills? <laughs> I am, you are, we are. You know, and none of this stuff is going to, you know, none of this stuff on this earth is going to last for eternity. But you and I are the heir to it, and everything else that he owns, we are his heir. We have all this. So what is it that we have in him? Oh, that's, that's even better than talking about cattle and those kinds of things. So what do we have in him? Let me, let, me, let me show it to you in several verses of Scripture right here. And this, that relationship is a continual thing. 
It's not just a one-time meeting. You came to know Jesus probably at a one-time moment meeting, okay? In that moment where Jesus talks about in John chapter 3 that we have to have this new birth and then we're born into his and we're adopted in this new birth, okay? You have that, but that's not relationship, okay? Because some of you are saying, well, it's just not one of the, okay, let's talk about that for just a moment, okay? And, and you know, um, this next slide, relationships continuing on a one-time meeting. I started to change the name of this sermon I started to change it to this, okay? I started changing, but, but I wanted to keep it with the relationships theme, you know, so I had to say reclaiming our relationship with God. But I wanted to change it. I almost changed it to this, okay? Is Jesus doesn't want a fist bump on Sunday morning. Yeah. And that's what a lot of us are doing. You know, we show up on Sunday. Good to see you, Jesus. Yep. Thank you for the week you gave me this past week, Jesus. Hey, got some problems, Jesus. But you're going to do it for me, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Fist bump. You know, that's all we do on a Sunday. He didn't die for a fist bump. Oh, that's good. Jesus didn't die for a fist bump. Y'all just go ahead. I'll let y'all finish that one out. And y'all, right? I'm sorry. I watched Tim Hawkins a little bit this past week. Some of you don't know what that means. All right. He didn't die for a, for a fist bump. He died for relationship. Now, look right here, okay? We got all kinds of promises and blessings and all stuff to inherit, but look right here at the difference, okay? Acts chapter 19, um, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Siva, or some pronounce that Skiva, a leading priest were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, all of them, and overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Okay? Now, that's, they said, the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Can I tell you about Paul, though? All right? Back up three. And maybe it's because they heard this story in chapter 16 is why they said, oh, we can do that. We can call on the name of Jesus. Paul uh, had this had this uh, situation where this woman was following around and she had an evil spirit. She was following them around and she was kind of messing with their ministry because she was claiming to be something and, and it wasn't a godly thing. And then she was connecting with his ministry and he said, I can't have that. And so this went on day after day until Paul gets, got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly it left her. Now what's the difference? Let me tell you the difference right here. It's not enough to just know the name of Jesus. That, that name has power. We're going to read that scripture in a few minutes too, okay? It has awesome power, but it's not enough to know the name of Jesus. You've got to know the Jesus of the name. You know, you've got to, you got to have that, what's the word? We, relationship. Paul had relationship. And so that's why he was able to speak, to, speak in the name of Jesus. Think about it. If you went down to Montgomery tomorrow, and you went into some government building and you just kind of barged your way in and say, I'm here in the name of the governor, K. Ivy. You know, you barge your way. You get in two or three doors and pass two or three checkpoints or whatever. When they find out you don't know Governor K. Ivy, you know what you're probably leaving with a set of new uh, wrist bracelets, right? Because you don't know her. You can know the name, but you better know the person behind the name. It's not enough to know the name of Jesus you got to know the Jesus of the name. And that's part of relationship. And when we have that, don't get ahead of myself right there. When we have that, there's some awesome stuff. 
But let, let me show you this a little bit more, a little bit deeper, okay? This is, this is uh, in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything you do, don't just claim his name when you've got a problem. Oh, in the name of Jesus, you know, I need da-da-da-da-da. Whatever you do, whenever you're doing something, you know, whenever you're out in, the, in, in business, do everything in the name of Jesus. Boy, if you start doing everything in the name of Jesus in your business, you're going to find yourself to be a lot more righteous business owner when you start realizing I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes I joke, you know, we, we give out all these T-shirts, you know, at, at 29-11, you know, and sometimes I joke, you know, please, if you got a bad attitude, don't wear your T-shirt that day, right? You know, and, and, and sometimes we forget that when we claim to be a Christian, we're wearing the T-shirt, not just on Sunday morning, not just when we're giving the fist bump, but all week long, everything you do. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from us. That last part's not really what I'm preaching today, even though it's good, so I went ahead and read it. But the first part is, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus. When you're preaching, do it in the name of Jesus. That's why I'm really, I'm really cautious about the stuff I say up here because you're, you're listening to me not in the name of Rick Han. You're listening to me believing and trusting that I've been digging and asking God what to say this morning. So I'm saying to this, this to you in the name of Jesus. So everything we do, and whether it's our ministry or whether it's just living our life out there in the world, everything we do, and not just those moments that we've got to have him show up and do something, do we call on the name of Jesus, but we call on the name of Jesus through everything. Let me show it to you again. This is Simon Peter uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, he, he encounters this guy that can't walk. He's lame. He's never walked. But Peter said, uh, and, and the man, he wants, he wants Peter to give him some money, you know, give him some alms. So, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. And the man, he took the man by the hand, the man, his legs, he instantly gained strength in them. He jumped. He started running, running into the temple and, and into the synagogue and jumping and praising God. And everybody was excited about it. And people were questioning, what in the world's going on here? This is amazing. And you know what Peter did? Peter, Peter started a ministry right then. He wrote a book, you know, so that everybody would know that he could heal everybody, right? No, that ain't what he did. You know, it kind of bothers me a little bit when I hear people say, I went to this meeting and the preacher healed. So, uh, mm -mm. He didn't heal, you know. It bothers me. He said, well, pastor, you just pick. No, I, I, I'm, I'm not nitpicking here because look at what Simon Peter did. When people started saying, man, this is awesome, what happened? He said, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. I didn't do this is what Simon Peter said. So still, in, in, in talking about the credit and everything, he still, in the name of Jesus. He, he called on the name of Jesus for the healing, and then he gave credit in the name of Jesus to the one who actually did the healing. But guess what? Everybody wasn't excited about it. The religious folks, they weren't. They called him before him. They called him before them. And he says, let me clearly state to all, I like that. Let me clearly state to you. I want you to know, I didn't do this. You know, here's a good point right here, is if you'll give him the credit, you can also let him take the blame. <laughs> you know, 
But if you want to take the credit, you better be willing to take the blame too when you mess up. Oh, man, I've messed up too. So, you know, I try to blame those on God too, even when it's me, right? But if you, don't, if you take the credit, you've got to take the blame. But here's what he said. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Simon Peter, boom, 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 just constantly said in the name of Jesus. Don't let it get away from you. So let me show you what we all have. Let me, let me read this. The next, the next one, Philippians 2, 9 and 11. Therefore God has elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every problem you have has to bow at the name of Jesus. That song we sang just a little bit ago, fear, bow. Every fear has to bow. In the, I, I, I don't know if there's anybody in this room besides me feeling the presence of God here right now, but every fear that you have in your life at the name of Jesus, it has to bow. It comes under subjection to the authority of the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Whatever you're dealing with, Whatever your problems are, even if you created them, every problem you have has to bow in the, in the presence of the name of Jesus and give glory and declare that he is. Yes, amen. Oh, man. But, gotta be, can we not just end right here? There's got to be a but, Pastor. It's not my but, it's yours. <laughs> I caught myself, but some of, some of y'all would have changed that, but I just went ahead with it because it was going to be cute too, right? It's not, it, I, I'm not the one, get, because some of you right now are saying, but that ain't happening to me, Pastor. That's not happening in my life. Fear isn't bowing in my life. This joy and all of this and the miracles, and it, it's not happening. Wait a minute. It's supposed to. It's supposed to. Now, we've been talking in our grow group, you know, here recently, and some of you are a little ahead of us, some of you behind us and whatever, but we've been talking about how sometimes we create problems, other people create problems, and we ask God to take care of us and, and handle all of that, and sometimes he doesn't do it right then because he's got a bigger plan. So sometimes we have to wait, but some of us are saying, but that, that, that all sounds good, Pastor, but I, I, I've not seen that in my relationship at all. You know, I've, I've not seen that kind of thing. I, I, I feel like I'm the one bowing to fear. I'm the one bowing to the problems. So what, what's, what's wrong with me? Ain't nothing wrong with you. You were created in the image of God. The only thing you need to work on is your relationship with him. So what do we need to work on? Okay, glad you asked. Let me tell you this. The things that destroy the relationship, your relationship with God are the same things that destroy any relationship. Our relationship with God is no different than other people's relationships. The relationships we have with our spouse, the relationship we have with our best friends and all those things, it's the same stuff. The stuff that would destroy or hinder that relationship will hinder and destroy our relationship with God. So let me give you, let me give you the, and these are the main reasons relationships fail. And they kind of self-explain themselves. You know, I mean, it's, it's almost like a, well, duh, I know what to do about that. 
Well, hopefully you do. So let's look at them. Here, here they are. The first one is continued misbehavior or, or sin. You see, if, if you're married and you are involved in some behavior that is harming, hurting, damaging your relationship with your spouse, and you continue that, that continual misbehavior will destroy your relationship. And the same thing with God. But with God, let's go ahead and just call it sin if you're involved in sin. Now listen, we're not talking about slipping up. We're not talking about making a mistake. But when you continually choose to live in a sinful way, that is going to damage and potentially, eventually destroy your relationship with God. It is going to destroy that. So, so what's, what's the solution? Stop doing it. Right? I mean, it's pretty, well, duh. Right? I mean, you know, if, if you and your wife are fighting all the time over the same little thing, well, quit doing the little thing, right? I mean, it's pretty easy. Well, sometimes it's not. I know it's not easy sometimes to stop doing something. Addictions and somewhere in between there, maybe not all the way to addiction, things get a hold of us and it's hard for us to let go, but we've got to find a way. And you know, you know what will help us? Our relationship with God. Work on these other things till you get there. Okay, here's the next one. I've got to hurry. Choosing independence over relationship. You know, people talk about growing apart in their marriage. You don't do that. It doesn't happen. You don't just grow apart. You choose to distance yourself. You don't just grow apart. It doesn't just happen that way. You choose something that is outside of the marriage, outside of the relationship. Okay, same thing happens to us with God. Is when we start saying, you know, every time I hear somebody talk about freedom, it seems like these days or the last couple of decades, I just, you know, you know what wincing is? You know, he just wince. My spirit winces. When somebody starts talking about, well, God set me free. He didn't set you free so you could still be bound. You know, and, and so when, when, when you realize that you have chosen independence over relationship with him, you've chosen your freedom over relationship with him, then what do you do? You just turn that back around and say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. I, like Paul said, all things are lawful but all things are not expedient. And I choose the things that are expedient to help me build a relationship with God. Oh, let me hurry. The no, number three is neglecting the relationship. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest, right? Is we just neglect it. We neglect our relationship with our spouse. We neglect our relationship with God. So what do we do? Got to spend some time on the relationship. Number four, uh, lack of communication. I mean, that's the big one, right? It's, it's, it's really the big one. Uh, it's, it's one, of the, one of the top three problems that, that marriages end in divorce because of lack of communication. So what do you do? You start communicating. Read your Bible, pray, talk to God, and listen for him to talk back. Sometimes we just do the read thing and think that's enough. Well, all you've done is you've, li you know, you've read, but have you listened? Read, pray, and listen. And expect him to talk back. Sometimes he'll talk to you through that word you're reading. Sometimes, sometimes he'll talk to you right while you're praying and he'll tell you a little something. Read, pray, and listen. Get back into your communication. Number five, loss of trust. Do you trust God? Man, we talked about this in Grow Group here the past couple of weeks too. Here's what happens is when we stop trusting God, we go rogue and we do it ourselves. We handle it our, ourselves. God's not moving fast enough. Maybe, maybe God didn't really mean he was going to do it that way. We just talked about this this past week with Joseph. God made him an awesome promise, but it wasn't working out. 
The week before we were talking about, uh, talking about Jacob and his mom. It wasn't working out. And so maybe we need to help God out along here. And boy, that, that just turned into a big mess. Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. I mean, yeah, that, that one's a big mess. We're still paying for that one today because people are still trying to, when, when you go rogue and you start doing it your way. Listen, I felt this so strongly in my study this week that I wrote this down in my notes. Is, listen, somebody needs to hear this, okay? If you've gone rogue, if you've been trying to do it your way, you need to get back with the plan. You, you need to move back to the plan because your way is not going to work. God knows things you don't know. He knows tomorrow. He knows the attitude that you're going to face with someone this week that you never dreamed you would face. God knows stuff you don't know, so get back to the plan, okay? Because you know what his plan is? Proverbs 29, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 29, 11. His plan is not bad. It is not evil. It is to give you a future and a hope. So get back to the plan. Number six, a difference in priorities. I know some of you, some of you, if I said, what, what's your life plan? And you could tell me your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, your 20-year plan, Right? And some of you, your priorities, I said, what's your, what's your, what's your priorities? You, and you, you're just thinking about what you're going to have for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> you know, that's your, that's your long-term planning, right? But however long-term you can look, you aren't looking nearly as long-term as God is. You see, God's plan, his priorities are eternal. It's not about this moment. It's not about this week. It's not about this job. It's not about this payment that you have to make this week it's not about your mortgage it's not about buying this car or that car God is thinking so much farther down the road than any of us can ever imagine that's why I stick with his plan because he's thinking all the way into eternity that's why we have a difference in priorities and we need to lean to the one who sees the eternity and the last one right here on this page is, real, is like it unrealistic expectations you know that's that's a big problem in marriage it's a problem with God too you know when we ask God for something and we don't get it and so we say well you know I guess prayer doesn't work no prayer works but you know if you're praying this prayer God take all of Donald Trump's money and give it to me because you know I love you God <laughs> God, you know those Kardashians, you know, give, take away their fame and give it to me because, God, you know how I would just spread the word with all that kind of fame, you know. First of all, you don't need Donald Trump's money, and you definitely don't need the Kardashians' fame. But whether you believe it or not, God loves the Trumps and the Kardashians as much as he loves you. And when we start praying in jealous ways, God can't do that. We tie God's hands, say, God, do this, 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 this. And God's like, man, but I've got these big, huge dreams over here I want to give you. And you're, you're, you're asking me to do this, this? And that's why unrealistic expectations. Let God dream. God, let him have the reins of your life and just dream as big as he wants to dream. He's, he's imagining things that you can never imagine. Let him dream. Don't, don't bind his hands. Don't have these unrealistic expectations that are going to destroy your walk with him. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. 
You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.